Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Justin Wingeter. Justin, how's it going? Good, good. And uh, Justin, on last week's episode, um, we were diving into uh, several subjects, but one of which was uh, Governor Kevin Stitt, his first week in office, and some of the hires that he made, and particularly two gentlemen that he's hired uh, come from the restaurant sector. And kind of what does that mean for this uh, new governor, this former CEO, that's now governor of Oklahoma? And uh, we, we, we did our best to kind of, you know, theorize and analyze those hires. Um, but this week, I think we'll do a little better because we actually have those two guys with us. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a first. I think that's a first that someone heard the show and then wanted to come on. Yeah, which we, we were, were a guest-based show. We didn't have any guests last week, so we're going to make up for it by having two guests with us this week. And those guests are John Budd, who's the Chief Operating Officer and Acting OMES Director uh, uh, for, for Governor Stitt. Uh, John, uh, thanks so much for your time. Glad to be here. And uh, our other guest is uh, David Ostro, who is the Secretary of Digital Transformation and Administration. Uh, Mr. Ostro, welcome. Well, thank you for having us. And that's kind of a cool secretary title. It's a new it's a new one. The governor's kind of made some new <laughs> secretary titles, but Secretary of Digital Transformation. Um, it sounds so cutting edge. It's it's very large for a business card. Yeah. So very long. <laughs> well, we were last week talking about, the, you both gentlemen, I want you guys to uh, give us a, a little bit your perspective and your background out, out of your own words, but we were talking about your histories and kind of restaurant consulting and management and ownership and... Um, you know, just kind of what that may look like. And, and for a governor that's talked a lot about agency reform and, uh, you know, digital transformation, as your title suggests, um, that a lot of that fits in the restaurant sector. I mean, it's it's big business, but also some of the things that you guys are, are involved in. So before we kind of, you know, talk about your, your new positions and, and your work going ahead, um, let me just ask, and, I'll, and John, I'll start with you. Uh, give us yeah. a little bit glimpse of, of your background before you know you became you know part of Governor Stitt's staff. Right, uh, it's a great question. I, I thought you did a very fair job of talking about how the restaurant business would apply in the government. Uh, but really, what I think about bringing to this position, I spent 16 years with a firm called the Boston Consulting Group. Uh, that is a management consulting firm. And basically for 16 years, I went into various uh, educational entities, big companies across all industries, and worked on things like finding efficiencies, looking for growth opportunities, finding ways to understand and serve customers better. So I bring that background to this position. I think that's actually the critical element of what I hope to bring to the COO role. Now, the five years I spent uh, at Sonic were incredibly valuable because we went through a digital transformation and I ran things like supply chain and some other entities uh, uh, that were part of Sonic. Uh, I would say a lot of the job skills I bring are from my consulting experience, uh, a lot of the leadership, and also certainly the Oklahoma aspect mm-hmm, yeah. of it I bring from the time at Sonic. Yeah, well, you talk about, uh, like, some, you know, most people when they think of the restaurant sector, they're thinking about it as a consumer, as a customer, right? right. What they see at the table, the drive through or whatever. You talk about your work with Sonic. Um, what was some of that transformation right. that you helped oversee over the last several years? Right, I think like a lot of businesses, uh, Sonic was looking for a way to modernize. It's a, a company with a long history of being a drive-in, a very uh, old service model in a sense. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out, well, in this digital age that we're in now, uh, how do we modernize the brand? So you may have seen, instead of uh, just a printed menu, when you come up, go up to Sonic now, you see a digital menu board, you see marketing there, you may have the Sonic app, 
You can order off-premises. These are the sorts of things from a digital standpoint we were bringing to that business to try to modernize it. And I think what, what's an interesting is not just in, obviously in the restaurant sector, but in, in, in all areas of business, you're always thinking about kind of partly because of competition, but thinking ahead. How can, right. how can we can improve? How can we become more efficient? How can we have better customer service? How can we deliver on what customers in 2019 are expecting compared to where they were a few years ago? You don't always get that necessarily in, in the government uh, environment. You don't, but that's really what we're intending to bring. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not about profit and loss. Moving business into government is not about a, a P&L. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody knows that. We know that. We're not coming in expecting to, to drive a greater profit which is, I think, what people sort of think about when they think about business people in government. We are about being more responsive to customers, being more efficient, providing better service, uh, making quicker decisions, uh, a lot of things that I think translate directly from business into government. Yeah, and, and so David, what about you? I mean, your, your background. Well, just well. just to, to go on uh, uh, on the back of what John just said, I mean, we, we want to be stewards of the people's money and um, spend that money efficiently so we can provide more services to the citizens of Oklahoma. My background, um, I, uh, very similar to John, was on the corporate side of industry until 99. I was a senior vice president of a billion-dollar restaurant acquisition group with sites in multiple states. Um, in 99, I went out on my own. And uh, very similar to Governor Stitt, in 99, he, he started a new business. And so today, uh, we have 1,000 employees. Um, we have lots of real estate. Uh, my average restaurant services between thirty and thirty-five thousand customers a month, and so uh, we pride ourselves you know, on what we do well. It's amazing. The we're always focused on the things we don't do well. That's the things that are very vocal and, and, and you see. But the fact that you know we're touching so many people on a frequent basis, uh, we, we're doing a lot of things correctly. Yeah. I know you guys. So you, I know you've only been in your positions for just a matter of weeks, right. um, days, or days for some of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe it's not quite a fair question, but what is the biggest shift going from the private sector to to government? What's yeah. been the uh, biggest for, challenge for for me? Um, it's slower. Um, uh, the fact that most of our agencies don't work for the governor and they work for commissions um, can be frustrating, and so uh, there are a lot of conversations that that need to occur. Um, there's, you know, putting together an objective strategy that everybody can actually wrap around. Um, it's, it's, in my organization, I tell people to do something and all of a sudden, I mean, I've, I've gotten very careful because all of a sudden people are now moving, you know, equipment and moving things around. Mm -hmm. Um, government doesn't work that fast. Yeah. I would just echo that and say, it's no harder to figure out what the issues are and to come up with ways to solve them. What is harder is the barriers to solutions are different. You have to involve um, sometimes legislative efforts. Uh, you have sometimes very deep organizations you have to work through. So uh, I'm very confident we can find the answers. And then it'll take a little longer sometimes to, to get through whatever barriers we face. Yeah. I, I actually told somebody recently, it's like, I now have a much larger board that I need to report to. Hmm. and. Uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, we have the legislature. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so, yeah. I mean, they make the rules. It's our job to uh, to go out and execute based upon those rules. If those rules are bad, we will sit down and with the members and uh, talk about things that we need to change. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, the, the job of the executive branch is to, to execute the laws and, and service the customers, service right. the citizens. Yeah. What do some of these titles mean? I mean, <laughs> let's talk about because you're going to have listeners who who hear a title, especially one they haven't heard, mm-hmm. and, and they're they're curious what your job is. Nine to five, what do you do? 
Well, um, uh, I'm a volunteer uh, secretary, so I, so I do not pull a salary. So my day started at 5 a.m. in my restaurant go- company. I worked from 5 to 7. I was uh, at the Capitol at 8, uh, meeting with agency heads. I have 49 agencies that roll into me. And so not only assessing their needs, their goals, uh, but uh, making sure that they understand uh, what the governor would like out of those agencies. And so uh, it's actually been relatively easy for me since I'm on my third day on the job and people don't recognize me. <laughs> uh, uh, you, know, you know, I'm walking with John. People are stopping him every two minutes. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that. So the digital transformation part of, of your title, I mean, so what like, uh, and I said, I know you're only, you know, th- no, third day I mean, on the job, a, but what's kind of the, what do you feel like is the main you know, objective, at least here early on? In, in well, early what we're day. trying to do is we're trying to first and foremost, uh, one access uh, for all your government services, whether or not it's you know paying your taxes or getting driver's license or getting hunting permits, it's it's any interfer- any type of interface with the government is one access seamless on an app. That is the big vision. Now, obviously, uh, there are, there are a number of smaller steps we have to do uh, to get to, to get to that point. First and foremost is uh, we're trying to figure out the data points that we actually have. Um, so if you're trying to interface, what's most important to you? to uh to show enhancements um to the data mm-hmm. yeah if i could just chime yeah, into that yeah, i think please. um it's not digital for its own sake it's really digital to, uh, as a means to an end so we're not just trying to put everything online just because i think we're trying to provide people easier access to government services and that's really what this is about yeah and so for john for, for you in this uh you know, you've got a kind of a couple roles yeah. right now but uh you know chief operating officer that's a, that's a new position right. in the governor's office that's created you know what is, what's your primary role well so you, as you mentioned it's two positions right now i'm happy to talk about either one uh but the coo role is really uh, a way to coordinate the efforts of the cabinet and the cabinet is focused on the agency so in a sense we will have uh, big ideas hopefully uh, around transformation that helps government services be provided to uh, consumers or citizens more effectively and we'll work that down through through the entire cabinet so in one sense I'm coordinating across the cabinet making sure that all the cabinet members have their own goals uh, that they're being measured against that they can report out on and they're also down working with with the agencies on their goals um, in terms of the other role that I have around the uh, OMES Office of Management mm-hmm. and Enterprise Services uh, that is directly managing an agency uh, just make sure day to day that that central services agency that serves all the other agencies around the state of Oklahoma provides good service uh, at a good value and, and your title with OMES is acting director acting director is this just a you know kind of just a, a bridge position till someone permanent is found, or are you actually doing some, you know, digging into the agency when it comes to, you know, looking for efficiencies and, and possibly reform efforts? Well, I'm absolutely digging into the agency. I've met with uh, all my direct reports one-on-one. I have one more to go tomorrow, but, uh, and we're talking about how things are going, what could be done better, looking for ideas. Uh, I definitely feel as if I'm managing the agency. Now, there's, there is a good team there. Uh, that they know what they're doing, but I do feel as if I'm in that role. As far as acting, um, that's TBD. We'll make the best decisions going forward. But as of right now, I'm not considering myself a a short-termer there. Yeah. And neither of you have been in government before, correct? Um, I spent five years on the Oklahoma Lottery Commission, uh, three years as chairman. Um, And during that that period of time, we did double revenue by changing the law. and at the same time, we put a cap administratively on how, f- how big the staff could grow. And uh, the results have been to education have been absolutely tremendous. 
we reversed their negative trend. Um, uh, literally, they were trending to do somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 million, and in the next two years, they should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80 million, if, if that continues. Hmm. Okay. I have never John. been in government before. All right. What do you say to critics who say you you people in government should run government? Mm-hmm. You don't hire. If you want surgery, you go to a surgeon. If you want to run government, you go to people who've been in government. What do you make of that? I, I think it's a. I understand the the criticism or the concern. If you think about the role that I've been asked to play, it is running an organization. It is not about policy. I will certainly uh, interface with our policy team. I will, as I see opportunities to Im, uh, improve uh, the way that we run organizations, I will bring those to the policy team and we'll work through that. But uh, the job that I have day-to-day is not really a lot different from, from being in the business sector. It's managing people, it's coaching them, motivating them, making sure they're being measured against goals. Um, I, I really, I don't see that, uh, while I, I certainly have things to learn, I would have things to learn in any new organization. And uh, what the governor has done is he has built a team that is a mixture of people that are more outsiders and people who have a significant government government experience. We'll have to collaborate, but I, I have no concerns about that. Right. And I would echo, uh, in everything I've ever done in my life, it's about people, process, and performance. Uh, you got to surround yourself with the best people. you got to be able to give them a process or goals, um, and then you measure it. And, and get if we're going to be a top 10 state, we need to have top 10 uh, of servants uh, that are working for the citizens of Oklahoma. Yeah. John, you talked about that balance of kind of insiders versus outsiders. And we've talked about this before. Uh, Governor Stitt ran as an outsider. So every decision he makes, every hire he makes can be judged. Is it an insider or is it an outsider? People are going to be put in one of those two boxes. But, but there are a, a good mix. I mean, and you talk about, uh, you know, the Secretary of State, former Representative Michael Rogers, uh, is, you know, the budget director, you know, a, a former legislator, uh, you know, people on his, his comms team. I mean, there's the people on the policy right. side are coming from government. You guys are kind of an example of, you know, kind of new creations trying to bring that kind of business minded, you know, mindset to government. And that's where you guys come in. How do you interact? How well are you interacting with the other side of the staff? I've got a good example. So uh, Mike Maisie, Secretary Maisie is is running the budget. Mm -hmm. There is no way I could do that job. Uh, It requires immense knowledge about how things really work. And it it requires a lot of knowledge about the history. Um, He has jumped in. given his knowledge base and he's swimming rapidly he's doing a fantastic job and he and i have a great rapport i think we each understand and respect our our diverse points of view and where we come from and i I think it's working great so what i would say the governor's trying to do is um, hire people with the right skill set and experience for the right job and i I think that's where you're getting that balance yeah and i think we have a different way of looking at things um i mean when when i see what things cost i'm like wow we, we could never survive on the private side um, under uncertain cost structures. And so uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a good balance uh, between both sides. And so far it's worked out well. Yeah. Do you have an example of the cost structure? You know, um, there, there are a number of uh, efficiencies when we look at either collection rates or tax rates. Um, uh, it's, wow, you know, I mean, the, and, and there's an underground economy associated with some of these numbers that we see. But, I mean, there, there's some sizable tax gaps uh, that are our money that we should be receiving that we're not. And then there's, there's account receivable side. And it's, okay, well, what are we doing to collect this money from, from people that owe money to, to the state treasury? And so uh, I think as we go and we start looking at efficiencies across the board, 
Um, and again, uh, back to what John said, and we're not looking at we're not looking at this as a P and L. We're not looking to cut anything. But as we look at efficiencies, can you imagine what we can do if we can find an extra billion dollars? That's, think, a, that's th- a big number. I mean, we're we're not, I mean, yeah. I, I, no I, promises I mean, there. Yeah. No, no <laughs> promises. But, but but think about what we could do as a society. We're always strapped for money. Um, education needs more money. Every agency needs more money. If we can find extra money, I think that would be a, a good thing. Yeah. You know, another thing we've talked about, I think we talked about a little bit last week on, on the episode, is that, you know, run government like a business. You've heard that mantra so many times from so many lawmakers. It almost kind of loses its meaning. And so I think when when Governor Stitt, you know, f- you know, started talking about that on the campaign trail, for some people it might be easy to just say, hey, He's a Republican running for office. Of course, he wants to run government like a business. Typically, though, when people say that, it's about um, what they don't want to do. They don't want to waste money. They don't, you know, they want to cut back. They, they they almost kind of try to compare it to, you know, running government like a business or running it like your personal checking account right. to where you're accountable to you can only spend the dollars you have kind of thing. It seems to me not that the governor's not focused on, you know, cutting waste and those kind of things. But for him, that mantra is more about instead of what what we don't want to do it's what we want to do so you're talking about that kind of like customer service approach that you know the you know the digital transformation you know having those services online you know uh, you know really kind of expanding the right. reach of what government's able to do from a customer right. does that make sense it does and I, I would say uh, a lot of my experience with BCG was identifying customer needs and then figuring out how to design business processes or products against those things so could you imagine if all of the people that get government services, we actually went out and asked them, how did we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what could we do better? I think that's the sort of thing we, we are looking to do. It's not just about finding efficiencies. It's also about performing better. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point because you don't, you don't really, in, in government sectors, you don't really have that that drive from up top to figure out what people are thinking about their experience, right? I right. mean, I don't know that I have, I'm, I'm not often given surveys no one's ever asked you <laughs> about what my experience think, was. Think about it from a customer perspective. Mm-hmm. If you're interfacing and you're trying to figure out how everything works and, and you run across somebody that's had a bad day, uh, and we've all seen it, and we've, we've seen it in, in retail, we've seen it in government. I mean, if we can actually put a matrix together to talk about positive customer service in my interface with government today. Yeah. The difference, I guess, is that government can't exclude people. Businesses, uh, not everyone's a customer. No business has every single person in America as a customer. Government does. It has to work for everybody. How do you balance those two things? I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, and, and first of all, I don't, I don't think government needs to hire everyone. And so if we, if we hire the best people um, that we can get uh, to work within government, those people – normally would be very responsive to the needs of all citizens. And, uh, I mean, frankly, we're here for everybody. Um, and so, I mean, John, do you want Well, at, at the danger of going back into the okay. restaurant industry, uh, we don't want to just be the restaurant guys, but restaurants serve everybody, right? Uh, especially the, the types of restaurants we've worked in in the past. Um, they don't turn away customers. You have to figure out a way to please If they can customer. afford it. If they can afford, not it. all customers can afford. Well, it. but but to take your example uh, just a little bit further, um, we have experience with uh, with businesses that serve pretty much everybody uh, er- because they it didn't cost a lot of money to to do business with us. So I, I would say it's a yes and. Uh, on the one hand, there are some challenges because uh, you have to serve everybody. Um, there's not kind of a cost of entry. Uh, but w- I think we're both used to being in businesses that more or less did that. Okay. Uh, yes, yesterday I was uh, in the front uh, conference room by the governor's main door, 
uh, a woman came in that needed to speak to Governor Stitt. And uh, the staff did such a great job in managing this woman. Um, they asked her probing questions. They 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 exhibited such empathy in handling her. She was obviously in a crisis. She felt she had to speak to the governor. And so I went back to the staff and I said, well, how many times a day does that happen? And they're like, well, four or five times a day and in session a lot more. And uh, I mean, I, I, it was it was great to watch it happen because, again, this woman was obviously in distress and, and they just did a phenomenal job getting her the, the care and the need and the services that she needed. When we talk about digital, is there any risk in going too digital? I mean, you obviously have some elderly residents, some elderly citizens who, um, I mean, I can think of some relatives who would not like to have to fill things out on an app. They wouldn't know how to do that. They certainly would become very frustrated. So is there any risk in going too digital? There is. And and I don't think we'll ever go 100% digital. I mean, uh, I had a conversation yesterday with Oklahoma Tax Commission, and they were talking, well, we could do our sales tax. I was like, my sales tax is way too complicated to do on my telephone. And so, I mean, there's always going to unfortunately be the need for a form. And uh, we're going to cross those, you know, you know those issues. Uh, everything we're going to do, we're going to test. We're going to make sure we're, we're validating it, that it's good for everyone. And and frankly, both of us have done this enough to where if, if we're on the wrong path, we will stop and reassess and right. then take it from there. I'd also say we're not talking about taking other channels away. This is another way to access government, not the only way. Yeah. yeah. Well, as we we got a few minutes left yep. here, I, I want to ask you about the, the governor himself. And so you guys have, have worked with him, you know, weeks or a few days. Um, you know, last week was your first cabinet meeting. I don't know if you've had a second one since then, but uh, yep. okay, you had the first one. And um, you know, I was I was talking to a few people who were in the meeting, and um, you know, one person was very much like, "That is a change of pace <laughs> from what they had seen under the previous administration." It seems like Stid has really kind of brought that CEO mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, just how would you kind of describe the governor that you're seeing in the office, kind of behind the scenes, leading his staff, pushing you guys? How how would you describe that? Let me start. Sure. Well. First, uh, for Kevin Stitt to jump in this ring uh, and make the sacrifices he's made, I mean, think about it. So this is a guy that that had unlimited resources, okay, lives in Tulsa, you know, has a beautiful young family. Um, I mean, he's doing this to make Oklahoma better, a better place not only for his family but for all of us. And I, I, I felt compelled to follow his lead, and I, I find it very refreshing uh, we were uh, with uh, the governor late last night uh, talking about a number of initiatives. And I'm telling you, he's got more energy than I do, and, I mean, I, and, yeah. which is hard to do. <laughs> I would just say um, he really is the guy that you see. Now, I, didn't, I, I did not know him a year ago. I didn't know him three months ago. Uh, so I saw what, what a lot of folks saw in terms of the TV ads and the campaign and so forth. Um, I'm an Oklahoma City person. I'm not a Tulsa person. So I didn't have exposure to him. Uh, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to, to meet him and, and to get to know him better. Um, that high energy guy, very earnest, uh, engaging with people and so forth. He is that guy. I don't believe there's a there's not a different side that you're going to see in a cabinet meeting. And, and I have found that to be great. One of the reasons I jumped on board was uh, what's exactly that. This is somebody who's very genuine very earnest, very interested in, in serving the state. Um, and it really gets people motivated to be around him. Yeah. 
That's all I have. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's a, a great point to leave it on. So I, I quite, I mean, I, I will say, I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's an aggressive agenda, and um, it's going to be definitely interesting to follow. Um, and uh, you know, once again, I think it, it's interesting to watch kind of the the balance of staff that he's putting together. Um, and it's very uh, kind of insightful to get a chance to, to speak with you guys about right. your background and kind of what you bring to the table. So, David and John, thanks yeah. so much for your time. We really Thank appreciate you. it. We Our appreciate pleasure. it. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State. You can find us each and every week on newsok.com or your favorite podcasting app. We'll be back next week. We actually have Senate President Pro Tem Greg Treat coming into the studio. We'll have a discussion with him as we. I think that's the last episode before the uh, session gets kicked off. So we'll uh, kind of focus looking ahead at the uh, regular session in February that gets started. Uh, With uh, Justin Wingard, I'm Ben Felder with The Oklahoma, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.